0: What up? What up? What up?
1: Welcome, black folks.
0: My name is Sonny Toure. I'm Akita G, and you are now listening to Fire This Time podcast. Fire. And uh, this is episode 26. As
1: always, we're happy to be here. It's beautiful. We give. We, we, we like to try to give the people what it is, and you know, we always trying to come back with the fire for the folks. So, um, you know, as usual, like, share. We on all of that. Facebook, Instagram twitter you know look us up check out the episodes leave comments you know and uh you know support the show mm-hmm.
0: all that all that, I just underscore everything I keep said but but uh our topics for today we're gonna get into uh some of the issues related to Haiti that's going on uh, yeah. ha- Haitian people still in the streets yeah and uh rising up against a lot of uh US governmental interference so we're gonna be exposing some of that some of Biden continuing what Clinton, Obama and Trump and even, you know, U.S. presidents before them had begun. So we're going to talk about Haiti, uh, raise up that struggle. Also going to talk about uh, a recent Meg Thee Stallion and Maxine Waters interview on Bazaar. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're going to get into the conversation. You really use that as a launching pad uh, to talk about hypergamy and uh you know that being maybe confused or misconstrued as empowerment Mm -hmm. uh, for black women and uh you know and that's a strong trend in the culture right now we've talked about it before we're gonna touch on it again with this interview and we're also going to talk about uh black men and covid and so
1: run down that uh what what is that all about uh pretty much man what it's about man is uh it's pretty much showing that uh our, our life expectancy is going down under cable. We're getting hit. We're getting hit, man. Black men are getting hit pretty bad. We'll get into little details about it later, but uh, yeah, the numbers don't lie.
0: Yeah, so we're gonna get into all that. Uh, losing life, uh, using year, losing years of our life. Uh, you know, through this pandemic and how it's affecting us. Mm-hmm. I know uh, we're gonna go off a, a video about Tia San on that one. Yeah, but yeah, th- just to keep it rolling, this week's fire. We're gonna be talking about uh, what's going on in Haiti. Uh, raising up the struggle, uh, the people in the street, the courage that they're showing right now. In the that voodoo everything. struggle. Yeah, man. they voodoo.
1: They got the culture coming behind them and a legacy, a long running struggle. You know, but uh, man, you know Haiti, man, they, you know, they uh, they been getting active lately. Um, they been in the street for a while, for almost, I think, a year. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's starting to really escalate. Um, you know, for it to be the first black republic. You know, it's it's had a history of dictators, mm-hmm. you know, people trying to not do right by the people, not living up to the principles of why I was born, why I was created, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of
0: this is coming down around a presidential election. Oh, yeah. And uh, the U.S. government uh, is supporting a candidate. Let me pull up this man's name real quick because uh, I do want to go back to some of the recent history. But uh, let's get into some what's going on right now real quick. So, um, yeah, right now, uh, Democratic President Joe Biden, this is from the, uh, the World Socialist website dot uh, org. Uh, the new U.S. administration of uh, Joe Biden has pitched his foreign policy as a radical departure from that of Donald Trump, claiming that Washington is back in the business of promoting democracy and human rights. And to go on, of course, we know that to be a contradiction. He's not very far off from what Trump was doing. So that and that's what the article is getting into. So uh, the article goes on in its own backyard, the Biden administration is backing an authoritarian regime in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, simultaneously in a brutal violation of human rights. It is shipping plane loads of refugees, including babies and children, back to into the violent and dangerous political situation in Haiti uh last friday the u.s state department came down squarely in support of the corrupt and, and dictatorial government of presidential uh, of president jovenel moise against mass demonstrations and general strikes challenging his extra constitutional bid to remain in power he took office in 2017 following rigged elections announcing at the time his personal affinity for Donald Trump hmm. as a follow-entrepreneur. He succeeded in what Trump attempted to do, consolidating a presidential dictatorship based on the violence and terror of armed gangs enabling Moyes and his cronies to loot Haiti's devastated economy. So, uh, you want to go ahead and respond real quick, Aki? Because um, I mean, there's
1: more to get into with
0: the history, but...
1: i say this, man. It's... Um... It's time, man, that they do that, man. You know what I'm saying? A country that's ruled by, you know, a country with that type of history, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't surprise me. I mean, the Clintons have always sort of had their hand in Haiti. Mm -hmm. Um, There's been a lot of accusations from Haitians about the Clintons in the United States and what they were doing down there, even in the 90s and the 80s, with uh, some of the AIDS and also um, some of the aid. Um, Mm -hmm. But, um... Yeah, I read an article. Most
0: of the aid for their most recent earthquake went yeah. to uh, U.S.
1: corporations. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the Clinton-directed uh, aid. Yeah. So, yeah. And they weren't and, even doing the work they were supposed to be doing.
0: Right. You oh, know? Yeah,
1: yeah. They were supposed to be doing some rebuilding and things down there. Some of that money didn't even get into the hands, and some of those companies were proving to be sheisty and shit like that. So, I mean, you know, it it, it come down to me, you know, from the nationalist perspective, man, being truly independent, you know, um, they are independent, but they still, you know, these people have to rely on the colonizer. Mm-hmm. You know, you take the colonizer out the game, ain't no telling what you may have. I mean, once uh, Haiti, I mean,
0: this is part of that long history, but once Haiti put off its first, you know, colonial uh, type of ties, you know, throwing off the French and, mm-hmm. you know... Also had a battle against the British and U.S. You know, yeah, soon after and that, and the Spanish, and the Spanish, and we know that the U.S. in the decades after, even after Haiti's independence, was that in, that uh, colonial force. You know, closest in proximity to the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, compared to you know Britain or France or someplace else, that was still going to enforce that neo-colonial rule. Yeah, not direct, but you know, control the economy and indirect. Uh, I guess control of the po- political situation through interference, control, money—you know what I'm saying? I mean, from day so, one. So uh, we've been seeing that for decades. We, you know, we are, ever since Haiti, Haitians' independence—you know what I'm saying? The U.S. Yeah. has been acting in that way, you know, stagnating the development of Haiti and you know, the, the, especially the development of their
1: self-determination and their independence. Well, you know,
0: true independence.
1: Haiti is a bad spot mm-hmm. for you for for European colonialism. Um, even though at the time when they got free they was fighting against the French and the French was fighting against everybody else Spanish the Russians or they was fighting in Spain Russia and the British mm-hmm. and I think they might have been fighting against a fourth for us but they was fighting against those three people in Europe you know even though those even though those in, in the revolution those other uh, players played sort of parts and playing sides and things of that such nature. But soon as the people got free in Haiti, mm-hmm. they turned, mm-hmm. you know? And then they had to defend themselves against them. So, you know what I'm saying? I, I think it's, to me, it's like it seems like it's that unspoken pact amongst others, U.S. included, mm-hmm. that you can't, you can't let that place, you know what I'm saying?
0: Spoken and unspoken.
1: Yeah, you can't let that place. Um, prosper by any means as some type of liberator zone you know let alone from that you know you look at the things like the poverty and things and that's probably because of colonial neo-colonial regime you know regimes being established or 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 you know being there but like you talking about a place that was the number 1 sugar and sugar producer and like number 2 coffee producer in the world you know mm-hmm um we could be eating Haitian Haitian sugar and Haitian coffee could be in in a, in the ideal world the exclusive coffee and sugar of the world if we would have, if they would allow those people to still prosper like that but then you know a lot of that had to come from the fact of that they wanted to break all the shackles of slavery mhm and sugar processing was one of those things that they—I don't think it's like it's that's like us continue, and we had to. Some of us, I mean, but that's like us still continuing to pick cotton mm-hmm. after slavery's ended. We still went to the sharecropper fields, and some of us had to do that. Mm-hmm. So, you know,
0: and there was a whole peonage system and yeah. system I mean, of laws you, that supported that, and 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 really forced a lot of us into continuing that too.
1: Haitians. Uh, there's not a lot. There's not many people that can really that can be compared to the to to, to the new African African American, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Haitians, Jamaicans, they're very close.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: For you sure, know what right I'm saying right. because they experienced the they they experienced the plantation system, and then to some extent they had a, it was a distinct system from ours. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why they are brothers at arms. You know, Haitians, Jamaicans and them, they still African people, you know. And so I support anything that Haiti's doing to try to break that out, even if the people that they're trying to get rid of look like them.
0: So let's return to the article real quick, Aki, and, and bring it forward. You know, we talked about some of you know, connected some of that old history to what's going on. Let's focus a little bit more on what's going on right now. So under Haiti, this is back to that uh, World Socialist uh, uh, website. Under Haiti's constitution, Moise's term of office ended on Sunday, February 7th of this year, but he has refused to step down, claiming another year in power in which he intends to push through a new constitution that is being drafted solely by himself and his political allies. Wow. Biden is continuing the policy of Trump in backing the U.S. puppet against popular opposition. Moise's rise to the presidency, however, was engineered under the Obama administration and, in particular, by former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and her husband, ex-President Bill Clinton, who was named U.N. Special Envoy mm-hmm. to Haiti. They previously had pushed the 2011 presidential candidate of Moise's predecessor, uh, the Carnival, Carnival singer, Michelle Sweet Mickey Martelli. Huh a political ally of the right-wing death squads that were the legacy of U.S.-backed dictatorship of the Duvalier family, which exercised a reign of terror over the country for three decades. The chief attraction of both these right-wing puppets was their subservience to U.S. imperialism and the profit interests of the clothing sweatshop, agribusiness, tourism, and mining sectors extracting wealth from the impoverished country. Moise's Moise's rule has been characterized by a steadily tightening dictatorial grip over the Haitian state. He not only dissolved the country's parliament, ruling by decree for over a year, but he has also stripped the country's local officials of their power. Damn, this nigga crazy. Yeah. He has employed assassination, massacres, and the police state repression against his opponents. Armed gangs led by former and current police have been unleashed against neighborhoods in the capital Port-au-Prince as well as the areas of the con- countryside to crush opposition and intimidate workers and their oppressed rural poor. Poor. So we see this Moyes is a colonial agent. All the way. Repressing the working classes of Haiti and, you know, solidifying the rule of the elite there.
1: And it's crazy because I thought i like...
0: So the, the revolutionary work of Haiti is unfinished.
1: I think that's an important. I yeah. Mean, clearly. Yeah. Because they haven't the revolution hasn't been able to purge the actual thinking. You know what I'm saying? The revolution that takes place in the mind where you can purge the actual thinking out of the people, which I don't even necessarily know if that's even possible. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you still got to fight against that type of thinking. It's like capitalism is like a, a parasite. When it gets somewhere... And it saturates, and a, and a person takes it on. Mm-hmm. It's like them getting a fix. Mm-hmm. Then they just shoot it up, and now they hooked. And then it just spread all through the goddamn land. And now the mentality is there. So it's like you know, um, even if he's, even if you know, when they do take him out, they still have to fight. Yeah, the mentality of the
0: elites, especially. Yeah, you know they're still gonna have to fight against. But them. I mean, the masses of the you know Haiti, you know, they seem woke as hell. The, what's going on? Conscious as hell what's going on? It's just yeah. a vicious repression. I mean, Haiti's is a small place. Yeah. And you got the full weight of the U.S.
1: Mm-hmm. Putting,
0: you know what I'm saying, this on them. So even if they are conscious or woke, you know what I'm saying, have defeated some of that thinking, you know what I'm saying, of maybe subservience that might have been wed into them, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, through, you know, these vicious institutions. Yeah. You know, affecting their lives, you know what I'm saying, uh, they still got to deal with that, you know, modern, contemporary, you
1: know day to day oppression happening right now Yeah, I mean it's like it's like any other it's like places in Africa it was sort of no different mm-hmm. they sort of kept the people enslaved through through the economy mm-hmm. you know um, I think the first time Haitians may have did them a l- helped them out a little bit because they went and destroyed a lot of the infrastructure wanting to get rid of that um, the memories and the legacy you know let alone from the stuff that was destroyed in the war you know um, but now it's like they keep them in a uh, a beggar, you know what I'm saying, status around the world, you know what I'm saying. And so, um, you know, that's sometimes how the, that's how that's sometimes how the colonizer works. He he comes in and he infiltrates your economic system and builds some shit that you 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 know. It's crazy how capitalism works, colonialism works, but or neo-colonialism I can say.
0: So when we think about you know what I'm saying? Like, what the Democratic Party is, you know, responsible for. And the U.S. government is responsible for. Because, I mean, the Obamas, the Clintons mm-hmm. really kicking the shit off. Yeah. And now, you know, Biden continuing it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They are, like, this friendly face on U.S. imperialism compared to the conservatives for so much of the country. when mm-hmm. I mean, they're doing some vicious stuff behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. What they're supporting in Haiti against our people. Oh, yeah. You know, so, um, you know... It, it, it's a lot you know so hopefully this segment you know pushes us to become more aware of what's going on in haiti you know we need to hold it you know any type of elected, you know official responsible or accountable if that's your lane political lane yeah you know what i'm saying holding these officials accountable then they should be answering to uh the u.s back support for this dictator in haiti yeah you know uh like uh what what is their comments on that you know so call up you know see if, you, if that's your political lane call up your state you know uh representative congressperson senator whatever the case may be you know what i'm saying and uh definitely you know uh anything we can do even if it's you know we don't expect success you know what i'm yeah. saying I, I think we need to uh really raise up and raise awareness about what's going on so close to us yeah i Haiti. mean
1: if if not anything you know what i'm saying like I, I, it would be beautiful to be at a place like Florida right now because you would have, and or New York, because mm-hmm. you would have so much access to Haitians because they got strong communities up there right. that you definitely could find out what's going on up there. And there's, and there's, and there's, um, you know, just thinking on a nationalist level. There's probably there's definitely nationalist, you know, RBGs down there in Haiti. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we just may don't know them. Mm-hmm. but you know that's when making those contacts with those people being able to you know what i'm saying really you know make those solid relationships because we need to have more information on what's going on so close to us next that kind of brings us to the next step. just think about the democratic party
0: and then trying to put a friendly face on what's going on oh yeah, yeah. The democratic party also does this in other ways domestically you know oh what yeah I'm saying? and uh one way they've been doing it and we've been seeing it if you've been paying, if you've been aware at all, you had to have seen it, how the Democratic Party has sought to uh, use a black feminine s- symbol or image mm-hmm. to uh, project this certain type of politics about itself yeah. uh, or, or uh, thinking about itself, or about the Democratic Party and about its commitment to diversity or to black women uh you know and of course we talked about it on the show before the De- the democratic party doing this is yeah. performative it's you know it's elitist politics token politics that are not anti-colonial mm-hmm. uh it's you know this the reactionary bourgeois feminism you know that the democratic party is is utilizing not the revolutionary anti-colonial feminism that has been an integral to every anti-colonial struggle waged In the Mm -hmm. world thus far Including Haiti Mm -hmm. But You know So we have We we have many instances Of the Democratic Party Seeking to use Black women Manipulate uh, Black women In this way In the public's perception Of black women Um, You know We saw I mean Thinking about The connection between Hip hop culture and this issue We're talking about Yeah We've seen Cardi B And Biden Last year do they thing, you yeah. know what I'm saying? As if Cardi B has anything, you know, to represent in terms of politics in the
1: black community. I'm still shocked by that. But you know, hey, you know. But then it leads us to this, you know, now we, we coming into this new this new presidency mm-hmm. and uh it's still sort of getting rampant and so now we got, you know what I'm saying, your girl Megan the Stallion, you know. <laughs> I'm still laughing about that right there. With Maxine Waters. It's been all on the it's been all up in the air. You know everybody been talking about it, y'all. Y'all know y'all been talking about it. Maxine Waters and Megan Thee Stallion having an interview. And I'm hearing this shit and I'm listening to this shit. Me and Sonny listened to this interview. Whole thing. Whole damn thing. And, uh, first of all, Nothing was really solid said on there. The things that were talked about were like totally relevant. Go ahead, I keep. I'm gonna say something wrong. You know, <laughs> I don't.
0: You know, and I think in talking about Megan Thee Stallion, we're talking about the artist. We don't know Megan the person. And we're using this as like like we said, a launching pad to discuss hypergamy, and we how we see hypergamy as this capitalist individualist ethic, you know what I'm saying that is very harmful for our communities and that has a very popular acceptance an increasing acceptance mm-hmm. that we ha- that we should be aware of and when I think about making the stallion make the stallions music from the community I come from, black community traditions that we come from her music is not primarily about empowerment it's about hypergamy pretty much it's her, her music is about hypergamy now does it does it have a bop does it have a beat sure it does sounds very well but uh i mean we can't you know get nowhere not calling something what it is so for this this her music to be held up as this pinnacle of empowerment you know even by some of the most popular black uh Af- or african american women e- elected officials in maxine waters mm-hmm. you know called genius you know i think that you know this really is shielding and it really ignoring what what needs to be going down which is a critique of hypergamy yeah you know and uh you know and that's really what this segment is going to focus around is is a critique of hypergamy and how it's it's something it's something that's not critiqued because of so many of the uh, I think aspects of the you know colonial gendered relations and thought you know amongst hmm. us. What do you think, Aki?
1: I mean, I think you know what I'm saying. It definitely is hypergamy, and um, it's a an aspect. It's something that's that 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 we see in our everyday lives. Um, but it's not something that's exclusive to us. Right. You know. And it's not something that even the majority of us um do. You know. Um, and for those people, you know, um, who don't really know what hypergamy is, mm-hmm. you know, it's just pretty much one or the forming of relationships, sexual or whatever. With one of a higher status or whatever, and for the, the 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 purpose of getting gains,
0: right. And in this capitalist society, yeah, hypergamy, well, I mean, higher status, how it could mean c- yeah. how it's commonly understood is about money, resources,
1: yeah, Resource yeah. yeah, it's like a resource, right. You know, um, pretty much you want to break it down and just go into n- nigga terms, go diggers, mm-hmm. sad chasers, Um,
0: and I and I think it even gets deeper than that, you know what I'm saying. I I I think it really is. It gets to the commodification of sex, and the making of oh yeah the making of sex out to be something exchangeable on the market, you know. And um, yeah, I see a tendency. I mean, just think about make the stallion the name. I mean, the stallion is a what an un, a uncastr, a uncastrated male horse. Yeah, used for breeding. Yeah. So I, I do see within May the Stallion's music and how she approaches the topics of sex and whatever in her music and just you know, what what it represents, it seems to uh try to try to urge black women to utilize their sexuality as hegemonic men do. Yeah. Yeah, or, or try to use their sexual their sexuality on equal terms as men. Yeah. Because men have a right or use their sexuality in this way and benefit from it. Women have a right to do so as well. And I <laughs> see that running parallel with this idea because we're women, females, and because we can leverage sex um, with males in a certain way. Yeah. Uh, because of, you know, so many different factors, biology mm-hmm. included. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, sh- we should, and even if that means commodifying it and use and, and requiring resources yeah. in exchange yeah and uh you know so we hear all type of things you know not dealing with broke boys and you know uh and all the stuff within the music mhm so um i i definitely see uh you know while it's very stylish while it can you know maybe mirror some of some some real lessons that we learn about yeah. having a sense of independence. Yeah. Which is a a a sense of independence is important. Yeah. But black women becoming sexually independent in a way that commodifies sex. Yeah. And leads them culturally in a way that black people aren't determining. Yeah. But instead a white controlled market is um I, I think these are things that we do have to you know discuss
1: i mean i i i would go you know to this level that i that's like once you once you you don't have an argument no more to talk about black men commodifying y'all sexually or men period when you're doing it yourself you see what I'm saying like how do you see that as empowerment you know um some of this got to do with values some of this got to do with you know what i'm saying um you know um, propaganda that's put to the masses of people from really a small segment of people mm-hmm. and even though the the masses of us may not take on the lifestyle mm-hmm. what we do sometimes do is take on the rhetoric and I agree with you, Aki,
0: this is propaganda because we've documented on the show yeah. the erasure of black men and Democratic Party politics yeah, and their rhetoric and their discourse and their programming, mm-hmm. advertisements, all of that. We've covered that. yeah. And this is a continuation of that. You have a yeah. Democratic Party leader and you, there was the only black man mentioned on the show were the, the rappers that Maxine Waters helped. Yeah. When Megan Thee Stallion, even if this is really
1: her story, you know what I'm saying, she mentioned no men as part of her Matter growth. of fact, she said, I was raised by black women. She talked about her mother, her grandmother, and her aunties. The whole time, I'm like, damn, was it any men around? Maybe not. I mean, I, I don't know
0: about the men connected to her rise as a musician, But, you know. No,
1: but see, I'm I'm talking about the upbringing, though.
0: But that that might actually be the case for Megan. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That might actually be the case. Did they have
1: any influence on you?
0: Oh, I'm sure it did. I'm sure, I mean, but maybe in some undiscovered ways for Megan. Gotcha. As as far as, you know, I mean, if Megan is being raised with the idea that, you know, black women, you don't need nobody. You can be independent. You know what I'm saying? Or, you know, and, and you should live yourself... You should live how you want to live freely, mm-hmm. and uh, and also practice hypergamy. Yeah, as you know, preached by my music. Yeah, you know, these are things that are at odds with where we want to go as a community. Mm-hmm. You know, we want uh, we want to b- bring black men and black women together.
1: We're trying to build families, folks.
0: And we know pragmatically that can't wait till people's 30s while yeah. they're getting traumatized in short-term relationship after short-term relationship in their 20s. Exactly. So culturally, we do have to combat some of this promiscuity that is being ushered in by a very sick, depraved white culture. Yeah. White patriarchal capitalist culture is begging of us this very individualistic shark like sexual existence with each other that's take 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 yeah, you know what I 'm saying, all about exchange instead of instead of about what it could be about you know, mm-hmm. and um maybe that's something for another conversation, but what I do know is that the individualism inherent in hypergamy, yeah the materialism inherent in hypergamy. It's something culturally at odds with a new African revolutionary culture.
1: Well, I mean, hypergamy breaks... Hypergamy is another... Uh, it's is like another shot or blow to black family. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It, it's one of those uh, mindsets, mentalities, and actions that don't add to black family. And we know that this system supports many things... Um, and promotes many things and creates many things that literally are made to attack the black family. The, the and, and so like it's funny because she mentioned Tupac and how she stood with Tupac and I and, and and I probably jumped ahead of time. I probably jumped too far in it, but I'm like, how do you even mention Tupac with her? This man gave keep your head up, dear mama. You know what I'm saying? Little young homies, like how do you put the comparison there? You know, Tupac wanted to build black family. Tupac wanted to build black community. You know, saying? and that's the thing that I couldn't get with her, speaking of community, is because she it seems like they seen black women as separate from the black community. When you hear the whole interview, it's yep. like they a whole they 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 separate from the rest of us. Mm-hmm. The men and the children, they 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 just there. Yep. Yep. And, I mean,
0: it, Maxine Waters bringing up Tupac. She's talked about people's First Amendment rights. Yeah. And, I mean, that doesn't protect somebody from True. cultural critique. There you go. And the cultural critique that we're laying out here is, you know, we're kind of related to our vision, you know, of, uh, you know, black men and black women coming together and, you know, forming partnerships that can withstand the hells uh, that we're going through. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, yeah, I mean I, I think it, the whole interview for me Also, I key underscored their the, the need that they Feel to really erase Black men from the conversation mm-hmm. Because if you bring black men into the conversation Then black women Can't stand on this so-called Pedestal of trying to Rescue their sexuality And use it in this empowering way Within US capitalist society Right? They're not talking about change in, You know they're talking about making room for it within the society. Mm-hmm. you know. And when the conversation comes to black men and our sexuality, they like to just uh, erase our experiences and just read us as men. Because white men's sexuality in a white patriarchal society is far different and treated far differently from black men's sexuality. Our sexuality, our sexualization by the society, our so-called hypersexuality, it's something that gets us killed. Killed. Now it locked might locked up, lynched. It might get us lusted over. It might yeah. get us lusted over, but that doesn't lead to loving relationships with black men black women. Yeah. Or or any other race of women. Yeah. Being lusted over.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh and black women that deny the sexual and gendered oppression of black men. I I I I would say you have a hard time loving a black man for real. Yeah. Uh if we dig down to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you you have to erase parts of him, to, you know, to take him in, and he might be erasing parts of himself to be taken in. Yeah. But there's something I think bigger and more real out there uh, that I'm having a hard enough time pursuing in my own
1: life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like they they talk about sh you know, the, and I guess you have to go into the art or the or or the music to really understand it. You know. The, and what the music represents, mm-hmm. and what the and what the music promotes, um, it it one of the notions that it promotes is like being able to use your sexuality or leverage your sexuality to get what you want, like, right? Like a man did, you yeah. Know but but the catch is this though: they say like a man did, but then when you ask them, how a man do that? How do we do that? Men can leverage what they want from women with money faster than they can their own sexuality in this era and town. I think, I think it's also men can be loose
0: sexually and not face reproach because of it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I think that's also part of what they're saying.
1: Well, the question is is this. We do face reproach from it.
0: That's the thing. Our hypersexuality gets us killed. The yeah. idea that black men are hypersexual, are sexually promiscuous, is
1: part of the reason when we get killed, people look the other way. Mm-hmm. That's part of the reason. And I think, too, what goes on is that they're, they're, it's like one of those things, like you said, right? Or, or it goes back to something we was talking about earlier. That. Like black women want the freedom
0: to be promiscuous in a way that we don't have the freedom to be. Not not yeah. not, not by society. Yeah. And if it's about, all about your individual choices, I mean, you can wear a mark of shame just like a black man does. Yeah. Of, of being a hoe. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I... Black women get by just fine with that, yeah. just like black men do. I mean, there's plenty of hoes in our community.
1: Yeah. So right. I, I mean, like you know, the, it and the, the, these things exist, but it's like, oh, you know, if it's gonna be hard to make other arguments, like, how do you help your people that way? Like she told me, I just want to help my people in my community. But we knows when she said community, she always defined it with women. My women. She said, I mean, she even said it, my, my community black women. My women. Yeah. And so, you know, your your I guess your message is to for black women to leverage, I guess, I'm not gonna put words in their mouth mm-hmm. from what the lyrics say. You know what I'm saying? Leverage what you got sexually to get what you want.
0: And it's not surprising coming from Megan the Stallion, you know, being raised by women that had to be independent, it seemed, if there were no men present yeah, for her to have this, you know what I'm saying? But, again, I have to say, you know, she's talking about leveraging something for black women to become more independent from black men. Yeah. That's not a revolutionary culture. Yeah. That's not a culture that's going to be the life force for a revolutionary resistance. It will be the life force for certain tokens yeah. to advance within the society like mm-hmm. a Megan and certain of those black women, usually college educated, uh, amongst her fans mm-hmm. that, you know, are inspired by that.
1: But you know what though? I'm more, I'm, they're inspired, they may be inspired by it. But see, the thing about it is because of where they are in life, they're able to make certain decisions or they've already made certain decisions that have already taken them above that. So even though they can listen to the song and it'll be our inspiration, you work at the motherfucking office. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So you know you're not even living that. The person I'm more concerned about it affecting is the sister that's down up in the hood. Mm-hmm. Because to be honest with you... That's your the yeah, girl. There you go. The, that message is mostly... um promoted and geared towards young girls Mm -hmm. and what we don't want is those ladies or those young ladies catching a hold of that and it's not talking about all the shit that comes Mm -hmm. with that like like how many how many how many hypergamous situations you got to be in Mm
0: -hmm. And, and i keep some people might be listening to this and being like why are they focusing on megan there's men that also support hypergamy yeah, and that buy the bag and they get that, you know what I'm saying, yeah. and promote that in their music. Yeah. That's very true. And I think we need, should take time to say that's also wrong well, and, and, that, and that we can do better culturally. But also say this, like you were saying, Aki, mm-hmm. can there be a similar type of conversation between a black male rapper and a black male politician?
1: Talking like this, Talk... promoting a song, like... Wet ass pussy? Yeah. Like, that... I mean, I, and I agree with you, what you just said, Aki, because in music and hip-hop, we got plenty of examples of men who believe in hypergamy. Now, the difference is is this. Most of the time, I hear it in a whole different way in this sense. They leverage, they believe in leveraging their money mm-hmm. to get sex in relationships with women. Mm-hmm. You know? Still sort of the same thing, just switched around a little bit. That's something I noticed. May not be true across the board, but to me, it's still hypergamy. And
0: the amount of black men that can practice hypergamy is such a small amount. There you go. The amount of black women that can practice hypergamy. Is, it is, it, 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 in this gendered colonial society, we have to understand this, is a higher number.
1: It's a higher number, not, but here it go. It creates problems even for them. Because the number of pool of men that they're trying to pergamize to pay their money out to them is a very... Small amount. Very small and amount. This, but, and so many hypergames. This is why a
0: lot of black women are unmarried, unhappy. And, you know, uh, the issue of hypergamy is real. Yeah. Uh, as far as what is influencing women to look for and value. It's it's changing the value system. There you go. You know, and uh, we have to call it out. Yeah. So it's not all about Megan. It's not all about, uh, you know, any specific female artist. Yeah. But
1: uh, you know, this is a trend that we have to, you know, pay attention to. I mean, you know, yeah, we got to we gotta pay attention to Megan Thee Stallion just this situation just so happened to be the most recent situation that we have seen of it. And we just noticed the fact of that, hey, if this was a like if this was the baby having this conversation with Barack Obama, he couldn't big up one of baby's songs where he talking about big ass dick. Thank you, Aki. He couldn't do it without getting shamed by the whole, by the damn, day, the whole black community and every other politician on the books.
0: But we accept it when it has a black feminine face because they tell us it's empowerment. And
1: that's what I'm saying. Like, do you mean to tell
0: I mean, me it ain't? Look, white elites, white people, the white power structure enjoys black women's sexuality becoming mm. part of the marketplace. It becoming more openly available in the marketplace. Through so-called empowerment.
1: When have you ever seen?
0: They like that. They want that increase. They like. They like that access. How many white politicians? This is you... colonialism we're yeah.
1: under. How many white politicians though have you seen? First, how many white politicians have you seen do an interview, glorifying something like that? I have seen them do it for some white supremacist shit. You know, I've seen some white politicians get on there with a straight-known racist. But I've never seen other groups do that. And I'm not just going to relate it to white folk.
0: And, you know, the song in question, you know, called Genius, Why? is a song that included Cardi B, who admits the, I mean, of course, hypergamy in her music. But what did she also use her sexuality to do? (laughs) To lie and steal from men, hurt men, drug men. And, of course, her femininity, her, her femininity. And black femininity is protecting her from this, yeah. from 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 critiquing this. I mean, I mean, I mean it, it, this is the number one song in the country. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, and it's being seen as empowerment because of its hypergamy. But nobody wants to say it's because of hypergamy. They're, everybody's calling it empowerment because it drives the wedge between black men, men and black women. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? That nobody wants to call that's the elephant in the room. Hyperg look, hypergamy has an intended victim. Yeah. Black men are kept at the bottom of the economic ladder for a reason. Mm-hmm. We're the inti- black working class men are the intended victim of hypergamy. <laughs> yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying because we're marginalized out. We're we're forces the fringes of society. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: So uh, this is real, and uh, you know, culturally, we're gonna combat it, or we're gonna, you know, grow into this grotesque black plaything of white people that we're, you know, on the path I, of being.
1: I mean, you know, uh, I just say this. That, this right here has been something that's been jumping for a minute mm-hmm. in the culture um and what we started to see to some extent, and what we're kind of going to see in the in the future is that this shit ain't gonna work out um, and this ain't necessarily just for the people who may have you know gotten caught into it, you know it's like going to Atlanta, right, I remember. Coming out of high school, everybody was talking, about oh, we're going to go down to Atlanta. I remember the girls used to go down to school, you know, go to Spelman and all that stuff, go mm-hmm. down to Atlanta and stuff. And people would warn them, watch out for Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember hearing this in the 90s. We caught up in that, that, that culture, you know, you shaking in the joint and stuff. And there was some sisters who would go down there and they would have to do a little something, you know, go in a strip club and dance a little bit to get some change. But they was focused. They got their little degree. They stayed low-key. They got out of school and did they thing. When school bit, when became a nurse, you know? Then you got the ones who went down there, and they got caught up in it. They caught the drug habits. You know what I'm saying? They got the ass-whoopings. They got into the prostitution. They got into the drug use and the drug addiction and all the other stuff that come with it and things like that. And it, it, sometimes once you get far along, it ain't no bouncing back. And I just seen people that go went down there It was 18, and by the time you see them, they 26, and they done. Mm -hmm. it got them already. Houston a new spot for that. Yeah, and Houston is a new spot for that. And then the other thing that I have to say this, and we probably get off this in a minute, is that they sound very masculine.
0: Like. I mean, to compete in a white labor market, in a white patriarchal labor market, uh, you have to take on certain masculine qualities. Yeah, but,
1: I mean, that's a masculinity that, like it's one thing it's Sort of like I, And I, I had to I used my sister for it We got this thing down In North Carolina We call it turn it on Turn it off mm-hmm. If you hear my sister Answer the phone You would not know It's a black woman mm. You could not tell You know it, it. You know it. It's not being white It's not being You know what I'm saying It's like Knowing when to be In that manner You know Knowing when to be In that mode Um And generally That lifestyle Will produce Masculine dominant traits Whether it's a woman or not Cause you got to be You have to I mean A lot of what they're talking about Is not necessarily In the corporate culture A lot of what they're talking about Is street culture Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying Stuff that you're going through In the hood And so I know from just personal experience Like you though It could produce a a rough You know what I'm saying Even though she's still a woman A rough lady Mm -hmm you know what I'm saying so you get a lot of that projected off in in their music and you know some of it has some you know real life you know experiences to it but is that's what's gonna is is that's what's gonna be what's needed to so called I mean needed to fix the problems in the community and help your people as she was saying speak for her people I I don't know I don't see the connection between them black women that have to
0: become more masculine to survive in the industry that they're working in that too is that's not balanced yeah you know what i'm saying so that that would be an imbalance yeah you know what i'm saying if you're thinking about like i you know some people don't like to talk about it like this but a balance between masculinity and femininity yeah you know if those are two cultural concepts that have any resonance with you yeah and you see any type of you know balance or you know comparative contrast between the two Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think, you know, becoming more masculine in a way that is unnatural. I mean, the capitalist labor market is very unnatural. Oh, yeah. Oh, you yeah. You know what I'm saying? So this is something unnatural. Black women are now trying to integrate and become mob- upwardly mobile within. Mm-hmm. And they're being said that this is the, you know, the first generation of black women having a chance to do this. And, and, and in many industries and markets, it is mm-hmm. black women's first chance and entrance into that, that place. But... Is that virtuous? You know what I'm saying. It is that uh, good for anti-colonial struggle. You know what yeah. I'm saying. Like some of the that political, the political ethic with you know upper mobility in the society is is opposed to our anti-colonial struggle. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. And there has to be a sharper critique here. And you know, in, in spaces where it's Megan and Magazine Waters on stage together, that critique is going to be nowhere to be found. And that's mm-hmm. unfortunate because we need more Black women artists that will have a critique of uh hypergamy yeah. you know what i'm saying and and also just the the effects of this type of individualism and materialism on the black community and we think, we need more black conscious artists of all genders yeah. but i mean where are the popular conscious black female artists you know what yeah. i'm saying I, and i mean i i wonder how often black women listen to even conscious black women I, artists honestly i'm going to keep it real i, I, I don't like,
1: think i don't think it's kind of the same
0: thing as the WNBA, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. women ain't watching basketball, period, yeah. let alone the WNBA. Because,
1: you know, I didn't been into a lot of conscious female artists, and it's even some of the ones I done seen through the years. It's mostly, you know, don't get me wrong, it's always going to be a, a a small sector of fanatry there, mm-hmm. but it's a, it's a dedicated, you know, it's enough for you to make a living. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you know, I had to turn people on to certain artists. That they never knew anything about. The question is, is that the way the market is saturated... I was listening to the radio the other day. I keep literally... Megan Thee Stallion and Cardi B... If it was 12 songs... They was on eight of them. But but
0: think about how low that bar is. Just because black women are performing a certain type of sexuality or masculinity that men did before. Yeah. That's supposed to be celebrated and seen as as genius. And y'all call it a savage then. Is the bar so low? You know what I'm saying? Is the bar so low that this is seen as cultural advancement and genius?
1: Mm -hmm. You know, I honestly have to ask that. I mean, you know... I mean, it's something that we got to tackle in our culture period because I ain't going to lie, the men doing it too. Black women,
0: you're the the greatest potential for black women lies so far greater than mimicry of men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so far greater than yeah. mimicking what men yeah. do. That's yeah. That's really my deeper point here. Yeah yeah Th- that's yeah. mimicking men is not genius yeah doing what you think men did is not genius exactly Try, trying to wield sexuality like you think men did is not genius yeah, exactly it's it, the greatest power somewhere else you especially know? if you think that's what we did exactly i mean and we got into our uh, black men mm-hmm. the relationship between sexuality and black men that many of these uh mainstream intersectional thinkers approach it with is yeah. totally wrong yeah because you know black men are some of the most Hyper-oppressed because of our gender and sexuality. And we had to start looking at this from a third world masculinities, oppressed masculinities point of view, not this intersectional black men are just like white women point of well, view that I, Kimberly Crenshaw for
1: And i say this too. It's the perceived ideas. See, they perceive... Mm-hmm. A lot of times it was ideas made up about us. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That we have a, a hypersexual nature and things that have such nature. That allowed for people to make a quick-ass statement like, oh... Well, he raped me. It was shit like that that allowed Emmett Till's situation to happen. Mm. That's that's where our perceived hypersexuality, you know what I'm saying, will lead us. It led to lynchings. It led to families' houses getting burnt down. And so, you know, even today, you know, if you see a situation that goes on in today's, say, for instance, in college, a young black male can be accused of rape. And then be acquitted five years later. Because, they, you know, it took five years to go through the trial to get the shit over with. But guess what just happened to in that five years? Whole life in altar. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to go off to school. He had a scholarship. He, you know what I'm saying? Like, this thing right here causes chaos in people's lives. So, you know.
0: So, what, we're do- what we've been doing with this segment, we're trying to forward a critique of, you know, mainstream gender theory and hypergamy. That is, uh, you know, part of the colonial oppression, colonial ideological oppression that our community is faced with. I also want to leave you with a piece of research that came out uh, just last month by Tommy Curry. Mm -hmm. This is in the let me see what journal this is. This is in the book. I'm sorry. Advances in Theoretical and Philosophical Psychology. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. This is in the book titled Critical Psychology Praxis, Psychosocial Nonalignment to Modernity and Coloniality. So this is about the practice of psychology as, you know, non-alignment to colonialism Mm -hmm. in some sense. So uh, Tommy Curry's article in this book is titled Decolonizing the Intersection. Black male studies as a critique of intersectionality's indebtedness to subculture of violence theory. Mm. So uh, in addition to to focusing on, you know, the subculture of violence theory within intersectionality, he also provides a very good history of just the i guess how black men have been projected within yeah. mainstream thought you know and i think how this article really gets into some good pieces that are related to our conversation here about how black men have been just rendered as these uh man savages you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. that you know that mimic that are, are out to mimic white men yeah. And, and that, you know, that black and then black women do have a credible claim then yes. to seeking to save their sexuality from uh, the men of their community. Yeah. You know, what I'm saying uh, it, men, meaning, you know, black men who are part of some man with white men, hmm, hmm, hmm. you know, and, uh, hmm. you know, we have, to, saying? we have to have an anti-colonial gender theory in approaching this. And so much of this so-called progressive, radical, so-called gender theory. That wears the intersectional name or even black feminist name so for uh, you know, fall short so much. You know, so uh, I, I encourage you to check out decolonizing the intersection. This is Tommy Curry's, you know, critique and pretty direct response to intersectionality. So uh please check that out. Um so with that, I mean I think last thing we can mention, if we want to get into a little bit more about black men, yeah. Uh is just uh you mentioned the stats around black men uh you know lo- we we losing more of our lives to covid so since this is already a long episode keep mm-hmm. you know you want to maybe just quickly detail that and then maybe we we'll just i mean
1: it ain't much even detail about it keep uh you know what i'm saying the national center for health statistics and uh part of the uh, uh city uh center of, uh disease control they found re- i mean they published a report and pretty much the report was talking about how you know covid affected Um, the life expectancy and pretty much it cut a year off the expectancy of people's life across the board in the United States. But when they got into it deeper, they figured out that the the hardest hit from the COVID based on the deaths, which was based on death certificates for COVID was with black males. And we literally lost three years, um, off our life through COVID, you know, um, makes you want to think that this shit is man-made and planned. Makes you angry. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It makes you angry. Three years of my life? Yeah. You know what Without I'm saying? That? And so um, we sort of knew that COVID would hit our communities hard. Behind us was um, Hispanic males. Mm-hmm. Um, then um, Hispanic females. um, Black women. Then white men. Then white women. Mm. You know. So you're talking about three years to getting taken out the light. We only been dealing with the pandemic for how long? A year. Wow Hmm. You know Just something to check up You know that means People stay safe You know what I'm saying Stay masked up In these streets Mm -hmm. Um, You know Make sure you uh, Healthy Stay up on your vitamin C I don't know about you Taking that vaccine and shit I don't know too much About that yet tough And I don't necessarily Trust it off the rip But Protect your people Protect yourself man You know what I'm saying Because uh, For the brothers man We got to stay better We got to get better Mm -hmm. And a lot of that too Hit and hurt because of the homeless, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. Black males suffer a lot from homelessness. Males are the are the largest pop. Yeah, we more the more largest. B- males are the largest homeless population, and I think black males are, fall high in that range. <laughs> and so a lot of I think this right here came from the fact of a lot of people, homeless people catching that, you know. But um, like I say, people stay safe, stay up, stay woke.
0: Yeah, sounds and, good, out here
1: And uh, with that, y'all, we gonna bring it to an end. You know what I'm saying We thank y'all for joining us For episode 26 Mm -hmm. You know um, Taking this fire in You know um, Just always remember You know um, Like,
0: share, comment Spread the word about the fire this time Yeah
1: Make sure you know What it is that you say is inspiring you And stay safe Peace Peace